Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mel Herbert here for your Elon Daily this Tuesday, June 11th. That's right. Hey, uh, let's talk about Norway, shall we? Norway, according to Tesserati, has now 50,000 plus Teslas on the roads. That's pretty cool, right? They're mostly S's and X's, but Model 3 is catching up very fast. In fact, in Norway, did you know this? I bet you didn't. That zero emission vehicles now make up 35% of that auto market. 35%. And did you know, and I bet you didn't, well, maybe you did, that ICE cars are banned in Norway starting in 2025. I mean, I am assuming that sales of ICE cars in 2025. Now, they have lots of incentives, uh, the way they do this, but it shows that you can do this on a countrywide scale if you put your little tiny minds to it. So impressive, Norway, impressive. Now, remember, it's a country of only 5.3 million people, and in California, for example, we have 40 million people, and only 3% of the cars are EV right now. But it feels like, when you drive around here, that every other car is a Tesla, but we have a long way to go to catch up to the way that is nor. And uh, do you want to know about coal? Do you want to do some electricity generation? Let's talk electricity generation here in the United States. So, you know, we've got this guy in the White House and uh, he loves coal. He hugs coal. Uh, he's bringing back coal, 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 coal. All good. Well, it turns out that for the first time, electricity generation for renewables passed coal for the first time in April, so a couple of months ago, with 257 gigawatts, or 21.5% of total energy production. So just a little bit more than coal. And wind is about to pass hydro as the largest renewable. So hydro has been the big boy for a long time, but wind is catching up fast and solar is doing is catching up as well. Now, the Federal Energy Regulation Commission noted that in three years, the gap between coal and renewables will be, according to them, vast. That's right, vast. I would call it huge, large. Now, natural gas, unfortunately, is still the leader at 44% of generation, but wind and solar are now cheaper, cheaper than everything. And they are expected to take a significant chunk out of natural gas in the next few years. So this is all good news. Hopefully, we will get some people in to government here soon that will help uh, move this along, speed this up, because we've got to do that. We've got to speed it up. I can tell you I've had uh, the Tesla Powerballs for a couple of months now, and I've basically been 100% powered by the sun. Now, it is the perfect time of the year. It is very sunny. It's just starting to heat up now, but it's been very sunny, not that hot. Now it's starting to heat up. But keeping ahead of the game, if you do a little bit of self-management, like I plug the cars in during the day when it's nice and sunny and try to turn everything off and be really good about that running around the house, why are the lights on? Turn that off. I'm doing really well. In fact, I'm generating significant amount more energy than I'm using. But I wish one day soon that there would be a way to store all of this excess energy in the summer that I could use in the winter. The only way I could see that happening realistically, even though I am not a physicist, nor am I an electrical engineer, would be to do something like store it as hydrogen. And I was all excited about this. Who was the guy? Was it Uh, Daniel Nocera? That's him. He was like professor of chemistry at MIT or Harvard. And he was going to revolutionize the world. And he was going to have this new catalyst to break water into hydrogen and oxygen. He said, distributed energy and you'll have it at your house. And you'll store the hydrogen at your house. And then when you need it, you'll just turn it back into electricity. And it's going to be great. And he formed a company. And it turned out that they could never get it commercially viable. So it's unfortunate that people that smart haven't been able to get us uh, that hydrogen. But you need something that has a lot of energy density, and hydrogen has 
a lot of energy density. You know how much energy is in a gallon of gas? It's about, don't quote me exactly, about 35 kilowatt hours. And one litre of hydrogen gas, and I'm not sure how compressed, has about the same. So that's a lot of energy. You could just imagine having a couple of buried 44-gallon drums of hydrogen out in the backyard. Wouldn't it be cool until it blew up? be cool. I don't know if I've talked about this before on this show, but I have on Talking Tesla, at least at some point. Just think about how efficient your, say, Model S or 3 is. So in the Model 3, you can, say, go 300 miles. Um, And let's say you had a gas car that gets about 30 miles to the gallon. So your Model 3 basically has the equivalent of a three-gallon tank. Yeah, it's a 100-mile equivalent per gallon. It's unbelievable how efficient those electric motors are and that car is. I mean, that is amazing. So I guess it shows two things, right? Your Model 3 is super-duper efficient. And also, at the same time, lithium doesn't really store a lot of energy. Imagine if you could have the energy density of gasoline, but in a clean form that was highly renewable. Oh, that'd be delicious. It'd be delectable. It would be lovely. And that's what the promise of hydrogen was about. But it just hasn't turned out so far, has it? And I've been reading about nukes, trying to understand some of this stuff. You know, I'm no physicist. But people are really sort of excited about thorium because, and I'll read this from, what's this from, Forbes. So thorium is sort of up there on the periodic table near uranium. But it's not as fissionable, and so it's much less likely to melt down. It produces more energy per ton, and there's more of it in the world. So it's more of it, it's safer, and it's better, and you can run it, apparently, all the way through so it burns itself up so there's no crap to throw away. So it sounds kind of perfect, right? Let me just clip in here from somebody who's really working on this, a commercial group that are trying to bring this to reality. Energy is really essential for the type of lifestyle we have. And when people say, we should just make a 100% wind and solar, they have to be realistic and say, is there anyone in the world who can pay for that? And I think they completely miss the point there. They're not willing to go down and figure out what it's going to take to actually do this. And with thorium energy, I think if you start to study it, you realize that it can actually be done. And when I first read about it on the internet, I I thought, this is bollocks. This can't be true. So I'm uh, Thomas Dan Peterson. I'm one of the founders of Copenhagen Atomics. I read an article on the internet where it said a ball this size made out of thorium can supply all the energy I need for my entire life. Not only the electricity that I need, but also all the energy I need to produce all the products I need all the energy I need for flying in airplanes, driving cars, producing those cars, producing all the products, the clothes and all the buildings and roads I need in my entire life. That's a lot of energy. It's a huge amount of energy. And all that energy could be delivered delivered from this little ball of thorium. And I I thought, that's amazing. I, I I thought, it can't be true, but I'm an engineer, so I have to go home and calculate if it's true. It might be true, but I don't believe it. So I went home and I did the calculation and it turned out it was not actually not very difficult to calculate. And when I sat down and realized 15 minutes later, it is true. It was really um, a, a groundbreaking minute for me because I realized this is not bollocks. This is really true. There's all this energy. And I knew already then that there's lots of thorium in the world. There's enough thorium to supply the entire humanity for thousands of years. It would cost around $100 for a ball this size. And that means that your entire energy you need for an, for one year would cost less than $1. And that's amazing. 
And, and then I, my, my quest really started to find out why we're we not using this. And if we were going to use it, how could we use it in an efficient way? So we all know that we need to take care of this planet. We need to stop using fossil fuels. And some people say, okay, we can just use less energy. But even the people who say that won't use less. So, I mean, who's going to start using less? Because energy is really what drives prosperity in our society. So who wants to say, yeah, I'm going down to half prosperity of what I have today. Nobody wants to do that. So what are we going to do? We're going to find some other solutions. Fusion is one of them, but they are always saying 20 years from now. But they have done that for 50 years now. So it might happen. Yeah, okay, let's hope for that. But in the meantime, all of us who doesn't work on fusion, let's work on something else. The world really needs a solution for energy. And if, if you have part of the solution, I think you are responsible for stepping forward and, and supplying your part. And then hopefully other people will do the same. You can use thorium in a number of different ways, but the only way I'm talking about here is if you use it in a configuration in a what we call a molten salt reactor, and sometimes it's also called a lifter. It's safe, it's low cost, no CO2, it's easy to make. Basically, you burn all the fuel, whereas in the old type of nuclear reactors, you only burn 1% of the fuel you put into them. So already there, you have 100 times better efficiency than in old type of nuclear reactors. At the same time, in old nuclear reactors, you have to have a lot of pressure, uh, and that means that you have to build huge buildings, and that becomes really, really expensive. But with this uh, lifter-type reactor design, you can build it small, and you can build it on an assembly line, just like we build cars and airplanes. So the cost of building every power plant is vastly different. We are a small team, we are 10 people working on this, and if you wanted to build a car from scratch, you would need to build the brakes and make sure that works, okay? You need to build the gearbox and make sure that works. And that's what we're doing right now. We're building all these subcomponents and testing them and testing them to make sure they work and make sure that they're ready for when we get a real investment to build a real power plant. The next big step is to build a prototype reactor, like the first reactor, and we can turn it on and show people that it's, it's working, it's producing energy. And that would take, I don't know, maybe five years. You know, in the long term, what I would really like to see is that, that we could make energy a non-issue for the global population of humanity. And again, I really don't know about this stuff. I'm just trying to sort of learn about it just for fun. But it turns out that it's not so simple. You've got to go get the thorium. You've got to clean it up. You've got to sort of extract it. You've got to start the fission process because it doesn't really like to start by itself. So this is not a, a very simple thing. This is not like a, you, we, we should just do this. But it is interesting, and I think we'll hear more about it, especially because people like Gates are quite interested in these technologies. So maybe, maybe... Uh, there'll be a breakthrough in the next few years for us to discuss. Maybe you'll get that marble size, and I didn't say that. You know, that ball of thorium that he's talking about is the size of a marble. Maybe we'll be running our lives on marble. Thorium marbles. Wouldn't it be cool? Talk to you tomorrow.